Hi, from Palm Springs, California, this is Bruce Dumont with our Beyond the Beltway analysis of national politics, featuring occasional injections of rumor and innuendo, all offered up by our panel of political insiders, pundits, power brokers, public servants, professors, and most importantly, plain-speaking Americans from coast to coast. Tonight, featuring commentary by Democrat Ellie Kay, Republican Dick Oliphant joining me here in Palm Springs, and Democrat Roberto Montano and Republican Jeff Hom joining us back in Chicago. Our program tonight coming to you from a home base in Palm Springs, which is KGX Radio, along with the Museum of Broadcast Communications back in Chicago. Nice to have you with us this evening. Our phone lines open at 1-800-723-8289. That's 1-800-723-8289. Wherever you're listening from coast to coast and border to border, do let us know. If you want to join us on the, uh, send me a tweet. It's at Dumo, at D-U-M-O. You also can join us uh, at at beyondthebeltway.com where you can not only watch and listen to tonight's broadcast, but you also can uh, watch uh, programs of the of the past, for actually about the last 10 years, if you want to go back and <laughs> binge watch one, uh, one week or two weeks or three weeks. <laughs> we're also live on uh, YouTube, and we're also uh, live on uh, Beyond the Beltway with Bruce Dumont on, on Facebook Live. So wherever you want to find us, we're there, and also uh, uh, we're on America's Great Radio Stations Live, as well as Sirius and XM Satellite Radio, and again, uh, uh, we should also mention that we're also now on Spotify. So if you uh, want to hear the show ever late, uh, well, you can find us on Spotify after the broadcast. Not live, but on, on delay. We've got, uh, I want to talk about, uh, obviously, the big story of this uh, past couple of days, and that is the president's threat to Mexico that he was going to impose tariffs um, if the Mexican government did not demonstrate that they were going to do a lot more to, to stem the tide of illegal immigration. My question, too, I'm going to start with you, our Republican Dick Oliphant out here in Palm Springs. Dick, is it a good idea to use uh, threats of trade uh, and tariffs as a, as a part of foreign policy? I think that the president's use of tariffs uh, in this negotiation was brilliant. And the reason I think it's brilliant is because we have such a catastrophe at the border and such a crisis. And we're certainly getting no help from Congress to solve that problem. He's got to use whatever tools he's got. Tariffs is a tool that he can use. And uh, it worked. L.A.K., you're our Democrat. What's your reaction to the use of uh, tariffs in this way? I think it was an idle threat. I think that uh, when you realize that uh, 10 months ago, uh, last maybe not 10 months ago, yeah, almost 10 months ago now, there were uh, exactly what happened uh, was already on the table, and it was ignored. And so, um, unfortunately, this ignored president... Ignored by whom? It was ignored by... Uh, the, the president actually had a, a variety of things that were on the table, and Mexico had apparently, from what I've read, uh, agreed to some of it, which is what ended up happening. Um, it, it to me, has become a bluster move by this president that uh, if he doesn't get what he wants, he threatens uh, uh, tariffs that hurt our workers, that hurt us in the United States. Roberto Montano, back in Chicago. Nice to have you with us, Roberto. Uh, uh, did the bluster work? Hey, Bruce. Roberto? Hey, can you hear me? Yes, go ahead. Great, great. So we think... Um, and I'm talking about Democrats in general, that he's negotiating with himself and he's playing chicken with himself. As, um, as Ellie said, these were things that were agreed to all about a year ago. And so for him to now claim victory is just a facade. 
he uh, well, why ha- did why, well, but why did nobody know about what uh, this this agreement? This is I think this is news to a lot of people listening to this program this evening. I mean, I, I don't ever remember reading or hearing that Mexico had agreed to put six thousand National Guard troops on the border with Guatemala. I never heard that. And by the way, there were already 5,000 there. He only added 1,000, even though he's claiming he added 6,000. It was not that number. Good point. Well, Go ahead back to you, Roberto. Well, what was going on is 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 the progress was had already been made, had already been agreed to, and what really happened here is that economists were looking at a twenty-five because that's what it eventually would have been a twenty-five percent tariff, which is a tax on Americans, and they said if you put a twenty-five percent tariff on goods coming in from Mexico, that it gives us a sixty percent chance of a recession. So and you don't the, want that right before an election. One of the most important Jeff Holm. One of the most important things to remember that you guys are kind of overlooking here is that in the time between when this agreement was supposedly reached and now there are two different presidents. So the um, uh, the current president Obrador only assumed office in December of 2018. So if this happened a year ago, that would have been under the Peña administration, who was much more hostile to Trump and any help on the uh, the illegal immigration problem. The Obrador um, campaign while during the during their election and um, in the policy since has been receptive to this idea uh, that asylees should remain in Mexico uh, in uh, a holding area rather than getting released in the United States. So there's a complete change in the government of Mexico that you guys are completely overlooking here. And and, and the well, fact is, the fact is, is that, yeah, I mean, I agree that uh, I agree with Dick that that this is Congress's fault and Congress uh, should be fixing it. And the president is having to use all the tools in his toolbox. I'm not a huge fan of uh, trade wars in general, but in this case, it seems to have uh, paid dividends. Now, obviously, okay. time will tell. Ellie Kay's got a comment. I'm sorry. I disagree with you on this. I, I think that this was another as he's done with North Korea, as he has done with China, as he is doing wherever he thinks he can get away with it. But the agreement was there. And the reason you didn't know about it, quite frankly, is because the administration makes sure what is left out and what is brought out to the public on what they're doing. And this, to me, this was a game. And I will, I'll give you this, I'll grant you this, he won for now. The public thinks he won. He did win. And, uh, and as far as North Korea is concerned, I think he's won there as well. And uh, But they're testing right now. They're testing new missiles yeah, right now. Sure <laughs> what, what, I mean, yeah, they sure are. Hello. Dick, let, me ask you, let me ask you. You, you say that, that he won. And, and I would say that certainly when you're talking about his base, again, it looks like bravado followed by some degree of success or something you can claim victory for, which obviously helps him politically. But there's a lot of people. I mean, this is something where Republicans uh, started to push back. Some Republicans in the Senate started to push back on this idea. Do you, do you think that Republicans that push back, are they, are they doing something good for the party, or are they only doing something good for themselves pers- politically? Well, my answer would be that uh, I think that they're looking at their own constituency. Uh, I know Ted Cruz, for example, came out against the tariffs in Mexico because uh, he's got a, a um, district in, in Texas that uh, would be hit immediately almost by uh, increased tariffs. My frustration. And uh, so I think that sort of uh, went through a number of Republicans. But uh, you got to remember that uh, Donald Trump is not a politician. 
We Donald know. Trump is a businessman, the exact person that we need, the, the kind of thinking that we need. And his kind of thinking is that you've got to leverage yourself as much as you can to accomplish things. And he used that tariff as a leverage. It worked. Whether it would uh, have stayed or not is hard to say, but uh, it, it was used as a tool for negotiation. Our conversation has been joined here this evening between Palm Springs and Chicago with both Republicans and Democrats. 1-800-723-8289 is our phone number. 1-800-723-8289. Where do you come down? Was this a big win for the president? Or is using uh, tariffs as foreign policy a good idea? Back shortly. I'm a veteran and lost my leg to a roadside bomb. My victory was going from a wheelchair to becoming a weightlifting champion. I'm Sam. I'm a veteran. My victory was finding a career I can be proud of and supporting my family. America's veterans are on their most important tour, the tour of their lives. I'm a veteran. My victory was going from homeless to home. At DAV, we're on a mission to help veterans get the benefits they've earned. I'm a veteran, and my victory was finishing my education. DAV offers veterans of all generations a lifetime of support for victories great and small. My victory was proving that a disability is not a limitation. My victory was getting my service dog and new best friend. We help more than a million veterans every year as they face and conquer their challenges. My victory is being able to be there for my family. When America's veterans win, we all win. Help us support more victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org. Back in Palm Springs, California this evening. I'm here with a couple of guests, Nicole Hunt and Ellie Kay. And back in Chicago, Roberto Montano and, and Jeff Hom join us back at our home base there. And uh, I want to I talk a little bit more about how, how the illegal immigration issue has evolved since Donald Trump has been president. Ellie, I want to talk to you. Last, last week, 130,000, 33,000 people were apprehended at the border. Mm-hmm. Do you believe that the Democrats have properly acknowledged the problem that exists? Yeah, I do. And, and I'll tell you why. There was a, a recent um, uh, discussion by a commentator on um, I won't say anyway, and he said that uh, none of the Democrats had been to the border to see what was going on. That is patently not true. There have been Democrats that have gone down. There is no question that there is uh, there is a serious issue going on there. But instead of continually uh, going and screaming and hollering about stuff, first of all, there has been suggestions of what could be done. They have been ignored. Um, there have been bills that have been brought from the House of Representatives, and they have not been even had a hearing on, on the Senate floor. So we're looking at something that we have to stop the rhetoric about this issue. Uh, on the on the issue of rhetoric, and we're going to get yes. to we're going to get to the to the rhetoric between the president and the speaker last week. But when Nancy Pelosi uh, last year said, "Not one dime for your wall," after she became the That's speaker, right. was that? Was that irresponsible rhetoric? I don't think so, because there is money that could be used elsewhere than building a wall. The wall has been an issue with this man from the very beginning. He seems to not want to discuss anything else to well, do except York, build the wall. The New York Times has suggest, suggested the Democrats give him the wall. 
because it's so it's delayed so much. Let me, uh, Dick. Let's let's get you into this. Insofar as the people that you deal with uh, out here in in Palm Springs, um, uh, how important is the wall? When people talk to you about the issue of illegal immigration, do they talk about the wall, or do they talk about it in much bigger, broader terms? No, oh, we talk about the wall. It's it is a, a barrier that will uh, prevent an awful lot of these people from being able to come into the country right now you can use all the drones and we don't have enough uh, personnel down there to begin to deal with 144,000 people uh, we're affected here in the Coachella Valley uh, they're bringing these people up from the El Central Calexico area putting them in our Indio bus station and letting them go everywhere in the nation um, it's, it's a critical situation to have this Roberto, wall. Do, Roberto, let me ask you no. this question. And, and, you know, I don't want to get too deep into, the, into uh, where people are housed, but when someone comes to the United States illegally and they are apprehended by an authority of the United States, where should they go? Well, when they come to the United States, they're usually coming to the San Isidro uh, checkpoint. That's a legal way to enter. They're seeking asylum. This legal entry has resulted in 24 immigrants dying in ICE custody since Trump took office. And we have a duty to care for these people who are entering legally. Now, there are some people that are entering illegally, but the majority, the vast some majority, the are majority. legally. So, so let me ask you this question. You're saying that you believe that the majority of people, this 133,000 uh, that I referenced last week, do you think they're coming to the United States legally? Yes, that's correct. Okay. So, yeah, so let me ask you this question. So you brought up the um, uh, the deaths in uh, ICE uh, custody. So if you uh, make a trek across uh, a large deserted area um, under the guise of human traffickers uh, who don't really care about anybody and they die once they get there, whose fault is that? The human traffickers or the people that apprehended them? Wait a minute. Can we go back? <laughs> I'm sorry. Excuse me, sir. I'm sorry. Go ahead, but but I want you to explain to me six children, I'm sorry, seven children that have died yep. in cages in our country. These are young, these are children, these are babies. And sure, I'm, and, you and cannot I completely tell me agree that it's a tragedy, and it's, it's it the is fault, a tragedy. It is the fault of the cartels and the human traffickers, I, like not to, like of, the, no, of it's immigration not and customs enforcement. No, they, it's also the fact that our that our illegal, border people are not giving them the medication that they need. They're I'm not sorry, giving you them think the water, and they are in cages. So your theory here is that the uh, theory, sir. that ICE and the Border Patrol, which is upwards of 60 percent Hispanic, is targeting these people and what do like. Uh, torturing them? I mean, what, what's what's your theory here? I'll tell you what the, I'll tell you what the deputy director Matthew Albans for Roberto. ICE said. Deputy director says that the severely dysfunctional, unfortunately preventable harm and death to the detainees occurred, and that he detailed in a report that twelve cases, at least twelve, where the ICE failed to provide adequate medical care. So, this is the ICE deputy director Matthew Albans. And he's saying that 12 people absolutely, undoubtedly died for preventable reasons. And you look at the, you look at the conditions where the people are now. I mean, it, 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 it's, it's horrible. It, it, it's, it's children. Uh, I mean, if, and it's just, you know what, the cruelty but, 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 is the point. I, mean, I, did, I have not heard anyone say or put any complicity on the role of the parents. 
The parents, let me just finish, Ellie. The parents either brought their children here, knowing all of the, of, of the downsides. In many cases, when we're talking about those that are coming from, from, uh, from uh, Guatemala, they came to Mexico. Under, uh, you know, in Mexico, they should have received asylum when they were in Mexico. It's the first country you enter that has the responsibility for asylum. So, so Mexico, Mexico, just a minute, Mexico provided no support to them. They let them walk the entire length of the country, which is along in, in hot weather. And then, then they, they dumped them on the, on the border of the United States, which is overrun with a, you know, uh, the adjudication process. And suddenly... When they're in our custody, so we're the bad guys. So this is one of the the, the great are we, examples. Are we missing some bad guys here, this Roberto? Is, are we? I want to ask Roberto this so, question. Are we missing some bad guys here, or is it just ICE and our detention centers? Give me your tired, your poor, your huddled masses dreaming to breathe free. Emma that Lazarus is the spirit of America. Policy. That is why we're That's here. Bad. We are the shining city on the hill. And it's not Mexico's duty to give us our policy fixes. We have a responsibility to people that enter our borders legally, especially those children. I'm talking about humanity. Uh, right, uh, humanity, right, those kids, right? So kids. That's right. We're talking about humanity here. And you know what? If Mr. Trump would spend as much money on, on just getting enough judges and enough people to help on the borders instead of talking about his wall all the time, maybe a lot of this could be dealt with. It is not being dealt with. So this is We've got kind of, look, it, very quickly. If you've got a mother and a father that are bringing their children on this incredible long journey, doesn't it make you wonder why they're doing it? Maybe things are so horrible where their daughters are being raped, where their sons are being slaughtered. They, they feel in their hearts they have no choice. And we are doing nothing because of this administration's attitude on building a wall. And by the way, I remind you all, Republicans, that it was uh, Ronald Reagan who said, Mr. Gorbachev, tear, tear down, down that wall. <laughs> yeah, because the, the Berlin Wall was, was built to keep people in, not to keep people out. So they're completely uncomparable. Un you know, we now, have, I, I just I just I would like to, to, to go back to, you know, since we're talking about numbers, I, I this is one of the, the great examples where uh, selective interpretation of history and selective outrage is used by the Democrats. So, for example, in uh, 2012, five people died in ICE custody in 2016, 12 people died in ICE custody. And so far in 2017, what, what was the number six? So this is. I, these deaths are tragedies. I'm not disputing that. They are, just, they are tragedies. But they are completely in line with a humanitarian tragedy like mass uh, illegal immigration. The so The facilities today have expired food. The, that puts because the children, Congress won't fund them. Because, because the president <laughs> yeah. wants to keep people in concentration camps. That is, just let them no. flow through to the one to go. All right, okay, wait but minute. wait a second. Dick, Dick so the, the no, solution here is Dick, either Dick amnesty I or think, I think nobody Dick, said amnesty. Uh, Let them flow uh, through. What does that mean then, folks? I want to recognize <laughs> Dick Oliphant because I, I think the use of the term concentration camp got his got his dander up. Go ahead, Dick. I uh, did get a, my dander up. Uh, these these are places where they're trying to hold people. They've they've got uh, bedding. They've got all kinds of things there to take care of the people, but. When it's designed as it is at Calexico to house 6,000 people and you have 19,000 of them there, where in the world do you put them? How and do you hold on to them? And then uh, there's all kinds of cases they're finding where uh, people are renting their children out so that they can assist people uh, getting 
through the judges on the other side. It's it's such a f- sham, such a fraud. Ellie, and the uh, problem is that uh, all these rapes and, and uh, problems that uh, women are having coming up, they're happening on the way up here by others that are in that same group. Um, as well the as humanitarian thing would be to stop stop them from migrating here, stop them at their border in Guatemala. Uh, the best, the thing that we're looking for here is to take care of those who will assimilate into our society. These most of these people do not assimilate. And that's the real serious problem. Lek, your reaction to that? Um, I'm sorry, but that's uh, I, I disagree with you there. They, if given an opportunity, they do assimilate. And by the way, it makes it a little difficult when the president says that the children that are there that are still being held will no longer be given lessons in English, will no longer be able to, able to even play soccer, that they will be just they're basically being they're they're being held. And by the way, the seven that were that died were not adults. These were these were babies. These were babies. There is a difference. Look, I didn't I'm totally agreement. between any deaths. I, I'm, well, it, it occurred to me that it sounded like adult. It, the point is this, though, folks. There's no question we have an immigration problem. There's no doubt about it. But there are solutions out there if the president would just listen. I want to come back and hear some of your solutions and also everyone else's solutions. 1-800-723-8029 is the phone number. one 800 723 8289. I'm Bruce Dumont, live from Palm Springs, California. Beautiful studios of KGX, our affiliate out here in the desert. And we'll be back from Chicago and Palm Springs when we roll on in a couple of minutes. Keeping in touch with family and friends or reaching public safety officials can be challenging during power outages. If telecom networks are affected by severe weather or other conditions, the FCC recommends following these guidelines. Call 911 only when necessary and limit non-emergency calls. Avoid repetitive redialing to minimize network congestion. Try texting if a call doesn't go through. Conserve battery power. Switch mobile phones and devices to power-saving modes and turn off when not in use. If evacuated, forward landline calls to your cell phone if possible. If you're using your car to charge cell phones or listen to news on the car radio, be aware that carbon monoxide emissions can be deadly in an enclosed space such as a garage. Remember, always seek shelter in dangerous conditions and follow directions from public safety officials. For more info, go to FCC.gov emergency. Bruce Dumont continuing uh, from Palm Springs, California tonight. Uh, with guests in Chicago and Palm Springs. Nice to have you with us. Um, I want to let each of our guests explain and introduce themselves a little bit. And let's start with Ellie uh, Kay out here in Palm Springs. Ellie, tell everybody a little bit who you are and uh, how you got involved in democratic politics. <laughs> Well, very briefly, I'm the political director for the Democratic Headquarters of the Desert. We are beginning our 12th year of existence, and we're run by volunteers. Uh, We're all volunteers for the Democratic Headquarters of the Desert. Uh, I am a former flight attendant uh, with a major carrier that's actually based out of Chicago. Uh, Mm. And I was, (laughs) yeah, I was uh, legislative affairs chairperson for my union, the Association of Flight Attendants, for about 17 years. And... uh, uh, I guess our biggest claim to fame is that we got the smoking ban on aircraft. Um, so oh, yeah, I've been involved with politics for a long time mm-hmm. and uh, uh, enjoy it. I find it challenging. I don't always agree with people, but uh, that's the fun of it. It's learning. 
Dick Oliphant also joins us. So Dick, uh, you've been a, a long-time uh, uh, key player out here with Republican politics. Tell us a little bit about where, how you got started. I have been. I've been a businessman here since uh, 1962. I'm a builder-developer. I build golf course communities. I built the tennis facilities in Indian Wells. Um, you were the former mayor there, were you not? I was the former mayor of Indian Wells. Uh, also, uh, in 1994, uh, President Ford and Sonny Bono and I uh, saw a need for a uh, Republican organization to act as a leadership group in the Valley. So we formed the Lincoln Club of the Coachella Valley. Um, I'm the founding uh, chairman of the board. I'm still chairman of the board of uh, the Lincoln Club of the Coachella Valley. Very good. Well, congratulations. Let's go back to Chicago. Roberto Montano, tell us a little bit about uh, you. My name is Roberto Montano. Um, my family is from Mexico, but I'm a Chicagoan through and through. I'm a realtor in the city, and I love this town. And Jeff Holm. Uh, my name is Jeff Holm. I am the uh, club development chair for the Young Republican National Federation, uh, which is, excuse me, a nationwide uh, organization of uh, volunteer organizations uh, trying to find, activate, retain, uh, teach, et cetera, uh, for uh, young Republicans uh, for either uh, office or for um, activism. All right. Those are our guests. Uh, we also have callers on the line. Edward, listening to us in WCGO, our flagship station out of Chicago. Go ahead, Edward. You're on the air. Yes. Uh, good evening, uh, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, I haven't seen too much uh, news media about how what kind of groups have uh, kind of instigated this, like people like People Without Borders. I haven't heard too much stuff about that, kind of encouraging these people to head up north. Uh, let's talk a little bit about that. Jeff, what, what's your opinion? How, how much of this is uh, uh, encouragement? Um, so I think, so the important thing to remember here is that this is a bunch of, as much of a problem for Mexico as it is for the United States. Because in the states uh, bordering the United States, like Sonora and Chihuahua, um, there are areas that are under almost complete cartel control. Uh, in the Mexican election cycle, which I mentioned earlier, there were over 115 candidates for office who were killed by the cartel. This is a problem for Mexico, and we can solve this cooperatively, which is something that's, that we're actually seeing signs of uh, with the Obrador administration. Now, as far as coaching goes, I, I, I don't know how to answer that, but I know that if you look at the numbers, uh, the number of people that are requesting asylum have skyrocketed in years because I think people believe that that's a get out of frail, a get out of jail free card. Same thing with showing up with a minor. Um, all of a sudden, it's they believe that they can that they can get a more lenient uh, interpretation. But that's just from a statistical perspective. I'm not sure if correlation is causation there. But again, this is as big a problem for Mexico as it is for the United States. Do you agree with that, Ellie? No, I think that you have to look at to why they're leaving, and it has nothing to do with with just getting a get out of jail card free. That that's amazing to me that you would say that because what I these people are fleeing. Yes, I said a did. more lenient interpretation. Yes. Get and you also said, well, all right, let's go from let's go forward. The the point being that we need to look at what is happening. Why are they leaving their countries? Why would someone? Why would someone leave their home where they were born and raised and trek 5,000 miles or 2,000 miles or 1,000 miles to try to get to the border of the United States? I don't think we're paying enough attention to why are they leaving. I mean, did you not? What is I, it? Saved, okay. I literally then, then, just then, mentioned then, then. candidates being assassinated by cartels. 
I, right? Yes, that is a problem in Mexico for Mexicans, right? Like this, me, is, this is a big problem. It's not just about that. That's actually uh, recognizing the facts on the ground. That's not saying that that Mexico is an amazing place and, and they wouldn't have left otherwise. Me, I'm not talking about Mexico. Let me, let me go back. We're, we're talking about Mexico as well as the other uh, feeding countries. Uh, Elliot, I want to get Dick to. Well, let's I'll start with Dick here. Dick, what can the United States do? to improve the conditions of people living in Honduras and El Salvador and Guatemala, to keep those people there. Because we have provided foreign policy assistance. The president has withdrew, uh, recently withdrew it because he didn't think the money that we were sending there was being used wisely in getting to the people. How do we, how do we assure the American taxpayer that if we want to help the people down there, the money we send is going to be used to keep their people there and to improve the lives of their people. Mm -hmm. Then they're not going to come north. Well, first, I think the president was right. The money is not obviously helping the people. That's one reason why so many of them are thinking about leaving. But why do they, why do they want to leave when uh, they see in the United States we have sanctuary cities, we, we give uh, welfare, education, health care, uh, we give all these things if you can get across the border, and uh, if it seems that uh, most of them are getting across the border, so it becomes a huge incentive for them to leave their position where they're not getting that benefit that the government is keeping the money. Uh, I don't know how, how you change that. Ellie, what, is it, what, what can... And again, I don't think this is a Republican or Democratic problem. This, uh, the solution isn't either. The point is, how do you keep the people there? How do you make how do you make their lives better? Well, I think what you have to do is we've we've got a man who calls himself the great negotiator, the great deal maker. He's written a book about the art of the deal. Maybe he ought to be talking to the to the heads of these of these countries and saying, look. We know for a fact that the money that we've been sending has not been going, going where it needs to go. Let's make a deal. There's, there's things that we could be doing that I don't think we are doing, and we're blaming it on, a, on people. I'm, I, I agree with you. Look, there are, there are people that, are coming, that have come across the border that shouldn't be here. I, I'm not, I'm not going to argue with you on that one. Mm -hmm. But when I see families, when I see children, when, when these people are fleeing and they're walking hundreds and hundreds of miles to leave Honduras and Guatemala, I have flown to those cities, to those mm -hmm. countries. I know what the, I've seen the poverty. Mm -hmm. I've seen the, the, the horror that they're facing. Is and there a role of the church? Let, let's talk about what does the church do there? They're all Catholic countries, right? Yes. What is the, what is the Pope doing? The Pope is very quick to, to you know, shame us, yeah, the United States. What is the Pope doing? to have uh, the, the, the Roman Catholic hierarchy in those countries uh, react to the problem. I totally agree. That's a very good question. And I don't know because, I, I, again, I'm looking at what is, what is happening. And the, the horror of the poverty level in San Salvador and Honduras, it, oh. we have to recognize that that is why people are leaving. I, I, I totally think, agree. I think but, the Pope but would is, you, go ahead, Roberto. Thank you. I think the Pope has advocated for a more lenient policy in the U.S., and he's allowed... He, like you, I, I That's to, not the problem. How, how many refugees he thinks everything should be accepting? lenient. Well, look, the, immigrants contribute to this country. Like they're coming because of a supply and demand, and they do twelve billion dollars in taxes a year. They don't 
respectfully, uh, Dick, they don't, they're not a net drain on our society because they don't qualify for social security benefits. They contribute regardless. You could not have a construction industry, an agricultural industry, a hospitality industry. I mean, these are the folks that are creating more jobs through small businesses. The sons and daughters of immigrants are twice as likely to have a doctorate. These people are a great part of our Roberto, tradition. When, when I, Roberto, when I hear you say that, and you and I have had this conversation on the air, yep. okay? Yep. When I, when I compare that with conversations that I hear from callers and people that I run into when I'm not on the radio, sure. and they're from Southern California, and they say, you know what, when I go to a hospital, you can't get in there because there's too many illegals in there being served by hospitals. Or they're going to the schools, and, and the schools are overcrowded. So, I mean, you're painting a rosy picture, somewhere between the rosy picture that you paint and the reality that I think I'm painting based on what people have told me, that, that, uh, that there's a lot of Americans, which I think is part of the, the Trump lore here, there's a lot of Americans who believe that people are coming to this country, sneaking into this country, and taking advantage of benefits that are to be that, that are res, should be reserved for American citizens, and it would be great to say, let's everybody come. I mean, do, do we say to anybody, Ellie, in, in in Central America or Central America, do we say any to anybody down there? Listen, enough is enough. So is one hundred and thirty-three thousand enough? Should it be two hundred and fifty thousand? Is it three million? What's the number? Do, do we do we do we want to root out the countries and bring everybody up here? I'm, I, I mean, are you proposing like a like a Marshall Plan for Central America? Well, I think that may that may be one uh, one one part of it, but I'm just I'm just saying is that I, so, you know the conditions the conditions that Ellie has described, and I don't disagree with any single one of them. And I've been at the border, and I've seen people, uh, you know, in in broken English and, and translated, explain to me why they why they sneak into the United States because they want a better life for their kids. I totally understand that. And let's say if we had all the money in the world, I'd say, okay, let's keep doing it. But I'm looking at the combined population of those three nations and saying to myself, do they all come? What's the magic number? When is enough enough? What is that figure? Is it a figure that Republicans and Democrats can agree to? We've well, got the a president pause. has already said we, we the country's full. we got to pause. And he did say that. Yeah, he did. Reagan didn't say that. 1-800-723-8289. Hi, I'm Ryan Sandberg, and I want to tell you about Miracle, the musical, inspired by the 2016 champion Chicago Cubs. It's one of the best productions I have ever seen. Now playing at the Royal George Theater. Do not miss it. Millions estimate their benefits online so they can do what they want offline. Social Security, securing today and tomorrow. See what you can do online at socialsecurity.gov. Produced at U.S. taxpayer expense. Today, millions of people all across America are building a life in recovery from addiction and mental illness. Helping themselves. And helping each other. With friends, family, and community lending their strength and support. Join the Voices for Recovery. Together, we are stronger. For 24-hour free and confidential information and treatment referral for mental and substance use disorders, for you or someone you know, call 1-800-662-HELP. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. Beyond the Beltway continues now. Let's head to South Dakota where Kendall is listening to us. 
on Sirius XM, POTUS Channel 124. Whereabouts in South Dakota, Kendall? Uh, southeast corner. Very good. What um, can we do for you tonight? Yeah, uh, when I listen to the Democrats, it seem, seems like they truly care more about the non-citizen than they do about the citizen. A matter of fact, when you start, listen to people that are, you know, the global citizen movement, you know, they want to turn us all into residents. So, what is the, the truly social justice solution to this be, uh, you know, from a Democrat perspective, uh, just uh, call us all residents and give everybody a privilege scale and then deport all the people that have a certain amount of privilege and that way we can make room for everybody that comes from more or less fortunate parts of the world and they could come here and, they, and that would all be social justice you know that that would be the most socially just never, solution to this <laughs> i think that's exactly where we're headed with this at some point well i want to let ellie speak to at least you know, the first part of your point and that is do you think we're being that the, the Democrats care more about people who are coming from other countries than uh, those that live in the United States, who may, may be part of their base or once were part of their base? Well, first of all, the people coming across the border can't vote, so we have no no interest in that part of it. Um, the it's not an issue in my mind. I'm sorry, but it's really not an issue of of whether we're we're caring more about people that are coming across the border or if we care more about uh, American citizens that are already here. It's about, for me, it's about humanity. Um, I, I agree, and I said this earlier, I agree that there are people coming across or trying to come across that we want to prevent them from becoming coming here. On the other hand, it is obvious that we do not have enough support along the border with regard to judges to 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 take a look at these people that are coming across and saying, yes, you have a right to be here. You need to be here. You are seeking asylum, and we agree that you need asylum. We're not doing that. Uh, Dick, your response. Uh, first of all, I'd one like second. to... Just one, one second. Go ahead, Dick. Dick is going to respond, then we'll go back to you. I'd like to mention the fact that uh, we keep talking about uh, people from Central and South America that, that are coming across the border, but uh, they've... Uh, been capturing people from Sri Lanka, uh, from the Congo, from all over the world. I mean, we're a magnet. It isn't just those people that are below the border. It's from all over the world. Yeah. And God, what kind of diseases are they bringing? What else are they bringing? The thing that it boils down to me is what has made America great? What has made this a nation that has been successful? And it's been the fact that we've been a nation of laws and the fact that we enforce our laws and we are now totally ignoring our laws. That's what's going to destroy us. That's why we have to be tough on this, this uh, immigration. That's why we have to be tough on the people that uh, are trying to uh, smuggle these people in here. It's, we've got to enforce the laws of this nation. Roberto, what about that? That, that sounds well, very clear. <laughs> I think that is talking about me to make a great i'm going to quote ronald reagan these families this is 1980 by the way these families came here to work others came to america under harrowing conditions this is ronald reagan they didn't ask what this country could do for them but what they could do to make this refuge the greatest home of freedom in history they brought with them the courage and values of family work and freedom let us pledge to each other that we can make 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 a great make america great again that was ronald reagan talking about the contribution of immigrants yeah legal immigrants 
immigrants. I'm, I'm well, for so this legal, is, so, legal immigrants. Yeah. So this is this is the thing that always gets conflated here is that if you're if you're expressing any skepticism against the uh, illegal immigration, that somehow you're against all immigration, right? Legal immigration is one of the greatest things uh, that one of the greatest policies we have, right? Now the thing is is that uh, there are people who wait in line for. 15 years, pay 50 to $100,000, and they don't get to any special privilege. I mean, I've had friends who got sent back to India. I've had friends whose uh, citizenship ceremonies I went to. It's one of the coolest things is to go to somebody else's citizenship swearing in, right? Ill illegal immigration is not the same as legal immigration at all. And, and it is not fair to the people that are trying to do things the right way because, I mean, we're never going to be able to turn the magnets off in this country. This country is the magnet. It is the greatest country in the world, and I am lucky to have been born here. But it, it, legal immigration is completely different from illegal so immigration. So let's not complain that with, with asylum seekers, which are legal immigrants. Thank you. Sure. And, and you know what? An asylum uh, up until probably about three years ago was, uh, what, between one and five percent of all uh, people that are presenting themselves at the border. It's somewhere up now to 20. You, you want to tell me that that's all because there's just that increase of the law is the law, right? Let's, I, yes, let's, I agree. Let, let's no. have the United States of America follow our own laws. Absolutely. And let's adjudicate the process. And until the process is adjudicated, we need to we, we need, need more to judges hold them. We on cannot the just let them into so the, we can the do country. the law. I completely That's agree, right. and that was part of the the immigration bill um, that was uh, put in. Um, the Senate proposed back in uh, what was that two years ago? The Congress uh, that was that, the, was, that the, wouldn't even be entertained at all. The by Congress by submitted the, the, the House submitted a bill uh, last week. It's going to be in the Republicans' hands now, and if, if they're if they're about what they say they are, which is loving this country and making it great, like Ronald Reagan said, we'll see what they do with it. But they're not going to do anything because the Republicans are about obstructionism. They're waiting this clock out for ninety more days until we start petitions and then we'll be at Labor Day and then it's going to be over because now we're in campaign season. That's right. That's right. That's right because if you look at it if you look at the last 2 years the the Democratic Party in the House of Representatives has passed over 200 bills and Mitch McConnell will Amen. even bring them to the floor. Amen. And the voters will be able to vote next year as to whether they want more of what's going on right now or they want to completely uh, turn the ship around they can do that. One option uh, that the Democrats also have is to find a, a way to get Donald Trump out of office earlier. Some think it's impeachment is the way. The Speaker doesn't think much of that. And there's some needed votes in the Senate, which are not likely to happen. We'll talk about impeachment and other related matters and some investigations. And also looking ahead to some of the 2020 candidates, some of whom are from the state of California. I'm Bruce Dumont. Thanks very much for joining us from coast to coast and border to border tonight. From a home base in Chicago, but on the road in beautiful Palm Springs, California, at the studios of KGX Real Talk. I'm Ryan Sandberg, and I want to tell you about Miracle, the musical, inspired by the 2016 champion Chicago Cubs. It's one of the best productions I have ever seen. Now playing at the Royal George Theater. Do not miss it. Millions estimate their benefits online so they can do what they want offline. Social Security, securing today and tomorrow. See what you can do online at socialsecurity.gov.
Today, millions of people all across America are building a life in recovery from addiction and mental illness, helping themselves and helping each other with friends, family, and community lending their strength and support. Join the Voices for Recovery. Together, we are stronger. For 24-hour free and confidential information and treatment referral for mental and substance use disorders, for you or someone you know, call 1-800-662-HELP. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. Keeping in touch with family and friends or reaching public safety officials can be challenging during power outages. If telecom networks are affected by severe weather or other conditions, the FCC recommends following these guidelines. Call 911 only when necessary and limit non-emergency calls. Avoid repetitive redialing to minimize network congestion. Try texting if a call doesn't go through. Conserve battery power. Switch mobile phones and devices to power-saving modes and turn off when not in use. If evacuated, forward landline calls to your cell phone if possible. If you're using your car to charge cell phones or listen to news on the car radio, be aware that carbon monoxide emissions can be deadly in an enclosed space such as a garage. Remember, always seek shelter in dangerous conditions and follow directions from public safety officials. For more info, go to FCC.gov emergency. My name is Bobby. I'm a veteran and lost my leg to a roadside bomb. My victory was going from a wheelchair to becoming a weightlifting champion. I'm Sam. I'm a veteran. My victory was finding a career I can be proud of and supporting my family. America's veterans are on their most important tour, the tour of their lives. I'm a veteran. My victory was going from homeless to home. At DAV, we're on a mission to help veterans get the benefits they've earned. I'm a veteran, and my victory was finishing my education. DAV offers veterans of all generations a lifetime of support for victories great and small. My victory was proving that a disability is not a limitation. My victory was getting my service dog a new best friend. We help more than a million veterans every year as they face and conquer their challenges. My victory is being able to be there for my family. When America's veterans win, we all win. Help us support more victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org. Bruce Dumont back with our number two of Beyond the Beltway, coming to you live from Palm Springs, California, the studios of KGX. Actually, it's in, we're in Cathedral City, which is just uh, outside of Palm Springs. And we've got a couple of guests here, Ellie Kay, who is a longtime activist uh, with uh, Democrats in the Desert, and Dick Oliphant, who is the founder of uh, uh, the, the, the Lincoln Club of Tochilla Valley. And uh, he goes back with President Ford and Sonny Bono. I do. Back, uh, goes back a long, a long time. And also, he is the former mayor of Indian Wells and uh, was the developer of the, uh, I guess, one of the world-class tennis uh, facilities in the entire, entire world. So uh, congratulations. Nice to have you with us. Back in Chicago, we've got our good friends Roberto Montano, who's a Democrat, and Jeff Halm, a Republican, and we've been uh, talking Dude, we about, need to work uh, on our resumes and, I like, know. design some <laughs> tennis courts and stuff, man. <laughs> I'll tell you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. I'll tell you. commercial. <laughs> Yeah, what, what have you been mayor of? But of interest to uh, the folks back uh, in Chicago and listening uh, to us uh, in our Chicago stations, including uh, WYND during the replay, uh, Mayor Lori Lightfoot, the new mayor of Chicago, was uh, making a West Coast tour uh, earlier this past week, and she spent some time in Los Angeles talking with some police officials out there and having a little fundraiser. And then she came to uh, Palm Springs on Friday night where she met with one of the city council, mem- uh, city council members, uh, Jeffrey Kors, uh, and uh, she raised a little money 
money there. I think impressed a lot of people. And Barbara Boxer was there as well, who now resides uh, in Palm Springs. And uh, so uh, there was a good Democrat. She, she walked back to Chicago, I think, with uh, some, some fundraising money that was done. So, again, uh, her first foray into California as the mayor of the city of Chicago. I want to go back uh, to an issue that I referenced at the beginning of uh, or at the end of the last hour. And that is uh, there are some, Republic, some Democrats that would like to have Donald Trump impeached. And they would like to have him voted out of office in a trial in the U.S. Senate. Given the makeup of the U.S. Senate, that's not likely to happen. But my question to you, uh, Dick, is if the Democrats were to proceed with impeachment, is that a gift? Uh, is, that a, is that potentially a gift for the President of the United States? Well, it is for his campaign. It, it would be a remarkable thing to have happen to uh, have them. Uh, make that effort, but uh, it's they should be focusing on running our com uh, country. They should be focusing on the issues that are needed uh, to be attended to. I mean, we've got all kinds of things going on overseas. We've got problems here in the United States, and the issues just are not being addressed because all they seem to be focused on is the president. It's hate Trump. That seems to be the theme of the entire Congress. And uh, I think that it's going to work to their detriment, and I hope it does. L.E.K., uh, where do you come down on impeachment? I am uh, I'm undivided. I'm, I'm, I'm divided on it right now, to be honest with you, because uh, what this man is doing uh, continually and how he has uh, attempted to obstruct justice the way that he has been ignoring the Constitution of the United States, telling people not to testify and ignore subpoenas is frightening to me. However, however, with the current Senate being the way it is, uh, there is no way that he would be convicted. I think that it uh, might very well be um, a, a waste of time. I will also say, however, Dick, that it is uh, the, the House of Representatives, and I said it earlier, has passed about 200 bills, and Mitch McConnell will not bring one of them to the floor of the United States Senate for a discussion, let alone for a debate. So I'm afraid that the, the obstructionism that's going on is not from the Democrats, it's from the Republicans uh, under Mitch McConnell. Roberto Montagna, back in Chicago to you. Last week, uh, the war of words between the president and the speaker uh, grew uh, more bitter. Uh, she suggested the president should go to prison uh, he called her Nasty Nancy, as he had done before. And uh, the question to you is, when the President of the United States and the Speaker of the House, who really has said she does not want impeachment, when she starts suggesting that the President needs to go to prison, is, is that crossing the bar in, in, in the rhetorical uh, uh, stadium? You know, he can't pardon himself for uh, crimes in, that are state-related. So... The Southern District of New York has got him under investigation. They're going to liquidate his charities right now in New York. There's a lot of activity that's going on. But the president is vulnerable, uh, not only judicially, legislatively, politically. Let me ask my, let me ask my question again, because give me an answer. You, you, you spout a lot of uh, facts or interpretations, which is fine. Okay. I like a guest who's prepared. But my question to you is, do you personally, Roberto Montano, do you want President Donald Trump to go to prison? Yes or no? You know, I will echo the speaker and i pray for the president we want him to be successful he is the, like in his mind he's the ceo he's not really the ceo but in his mind he's the ceo right 
we want a functional government. That's what Democrats want. And we don't have the partner right now that helps us make our country productive, and the Republicans efficient. And the Republicans, Roberto, say the exact same thing. Well, they the Republicans the exact same things. Only they blame you. I want to get the. Wait, 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 I want to get. Well, we we may get. go to impeachment with Bill Barr. We may go to impeachment uh-huh. okay. with Mulvaney, because they're obstructing justice. Not they're not surrendering to subpoena information that we absolutely have as co-equal branches. The Congress has an absolute right to ask for that information. The IRS has oversight within the Congress. Democrats happen to control the Congress. And, and by the way, that's not an accident. That's the will of the people. In the midterms, we had a referendum. 29 okay. out of 31 Republican candidates that were supported by the president lost. So that means okay. the people have said, Mid-month. give and these right guys now, a chance. And the Republicans grew Dick, their Senate margin, though. By what, too? We're gonna, I want to let Dick Oliphant respond. One second, guys. I'm back to you in just a minute, Jeff. Uh, Dick, your response to uh, what Roberto had to say. Well, it's really interesting to me how you can look at a subject and get such two various uh, variable uh, viewpoints. Uh, Talking about impeaching uh, our attorney general who refuses to break the law and release documents that he would be breaking the law if he were to answer those subpoenas. Uh, It's it's crazy that uh, uh, Nadler is just needling and pushing and trying to do whatever he can to take the, I think, take the uh, focus off of the uh, Democrats when what's coming down the aisle here with the the, uh, Attorney General is he's opening up the investigations on the uh, Clinton Foundation and it's going to open it up on what caused the... uh, uh, they look at the, the uh, what caused the Mueller report. Yep. Uh, all these things are going to be coming down, and and I got to tell you, I, if I was a Democrat, I'd be quite worried. All right, Jeff, um, you've uh, not weighed in lately. All right, so there's two things here. Um, one is impeachment is wildly unpopular outside of uh, people who are Democrats. Oh, so if you look at the uh, poll published by Harvard in May. Um, 65% of all respondents were against it, including 32% of independents and 14% of Republicans uh, were against or were in favor. Right, so uh, it was 56% of Democrats support impeachment. However, 65% of all respondents were against impeachment. So I would love for them to try and impeach President Trump because it would just be a gift to his campaign. And as far as Barr goes, I'd love to talk about that when we come back after the break. We will be back. One eight hundred seven. Two three eighty twenty nine. The music is playing. Jeff knows that means we're going to a break. <laughs> Jeff, nice to have you with us in Chicago, along with Roberto Montano. Back shortly from Chicago. My name is Bobby. I'm a veteran and lost my leg to a roadside bomb. My victory was going from a wheelchair to becoming a weightlifting champion. I'm Sam. I'm a veteran. My victory was finding a career I can be proud of and supporting my family. America's veterans are on their most important tour, the tour of their lives. I'm a veteran. My victory was going from homeless to home. At DAV, 
we're on a mission to help veterans get the benefits they've earned. I'm a veteran, and my victory was finishing my education. DAV offers veterans of all generations a lifetime of support for victories great and small. My victory was proving that a disability is not a limitation. My victory was getting my service dog a new best friend. We help more than a million veterans every year as they face and conquer their challenges. My victory is being able to be there for my family. When America's veterans win, we all win. Help us support more victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org. And we've got callers all over the country. And let's go to El Paso, Texas, where George, or is it Jorge, listening to us uh, on KTSM? Are you there? George. Pardon me, George, but otherwise. Okay, George. <laughs> I, use, I use my name for him. And um, I'm a congressional Democrat here for political U.S. House. And um, I'd like to interject quickly that um, invite to Bob Sweet. I could potentially raise just with a smile as much money as your mayor has left with. But um, I wanted to comment on the idea that um, the impeachment of the president, because I feel in my position that um, were that to occur, these troubles that plague the border could otherwise not be resolved. And I want to ask Ali Kane, how were there Democrats in office today with these problems that are confronted, which I would expect would confront him or her, whether it, she was in the White House or otherwise, with the Democrats suggest the resolution of that are currently our current Well, I think that what would happen is that uh, if we had a Democrat, uh, because um, uh, first of all, we had someone who was who was a former Secretary of State who ran against uh, Mr. Trump, and uh, I believe that what would have happened, which was something that she talked about during the campaign, was that there would have been some conferences, some meetings that would have taken place with the leaders of the countries that these folks are leaving. Um, and there would be a more open discussion, uh, certainly with the, the president of uh, Mexico, uh, certainly the, yes. the leaders of, of Honduras and, and San Salvador, et cetera, et cetera. So uh -huh. I just think that there might have been a better way to, I think there's, I still say that there are better ways to have negotiations and discussions and, and meeting of the minds. Yeah. Is yeah, there any, uh, Jorge, 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 George, thank you very much. We've got to, we've got to move You're on. You're welcome. Thank you. Uh, let's, let's see if we can go to Greg in Youngstown, Ohio. Uh, go ahead, Greg. You're on the air. Are you there? Greg, going, going? Greg is gone. No, Greg. Okay. Uh, I want to come back. Uh, recently, uh, you may have read this, that the, uh, the California State Democrats last weekend in San Francisco, uh, they had a big gathering. A lot of the 2020 candidates were there. Uh, Joe Biden was not. And there was a lot of discussion as to whether or not uh, res uh, resolutions about anti-Semitism were being properly uh, pushed. And, and that issue came up as it relates to some of the new, more outspoken members uh, of the uh, U.S. Uh, congressional delegation. So uh, I want to get your take. Uh, and I want to begin with how many of the presidential candidates showed up there, Ellie? Fourteen out of the 14. 24. Now, are you currently al aligned with any of the campaigns? No. Um, I will tell you that this was one of the, and I've gone to over 20, 25 conventions. This was one of the better run conventions that I've been to. There were people that surprised me a little bit, quite frankly, with what they had to say and the way they said it. Um, I am, like many, many Democrats, um, really pleasantly surprised at the amount of talent that we have 
And so, no, I have not made up my mind as to who I'm supporting yet. I'm going to, uh, to wait and continue to watch. We've got a debate watch at the Democratic headquarters of the desert, which will take place on June 26th and 27th out of Miami. And uh, we're going to be watching that very closely. Is, uh, when we uh, talked earlier this week, setting up uh, this appointment this evening, uh, you rattled off some 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 quick, almost Rorschachian uh, responses to some of the candidates, the ones that kind of stood out. Can you just kind of repeat that to me? I sure you, will. I'll tell they you. Are ne- they are not necessarily people that you are going to support, but they stood out either good or bad. They stood out because of what they said and how they said it. And, and the number one, quite frankly, the one that we really, I think a lot of us left the convention saying this was the person that gave the best speech was Cory Booker. Uh, from New Jersey. He gave an incredible speech about gun violence because the night before, his speech was on Saturday and the night before, of course, we had gotten the news of what had happened in Virginia. And so he was really a standout. Mayor Pete Buttigieg was really very outstanding. Elizabeth Warren came across quite, and I'm going to be blunt here, she has not appeared to me to be a particularly warm person. She's sort of a policy wonk, and she was terrific. She was just terrific. Um, our own Kamala Harris, of course, was, was, was really good. Uh, it, 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 was a, it was a convention where people had things to say, and they, they laid out who they are. It was good. Dick, as you look across the aisle, I'm not going to ask you to handicap the, the Democratic field, but um, in that field, is there someone that you worry about that would give President Trump uh, a run for his money? I haven't seen anybody yet that's running that uh, would would give him a run. Um, I know Joe Boy, uh, Joe Biden is leading right now uh, because he probably is being looked at as being more moderate than the rest of the candidates who seem to be uh, way to the left. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I, at the moment, I don't see any candidates that are going to give Donald Trump much of a contest. Now, the last time we did this, I'm going to get the the reaction from people back in Chicago, but the last time we did this program, which was, I think, in January, February, Mm -hmm. uh, the Democrat guest who was here that night, uh, we brought up the subject of Kamala Harris, and I would say the response was lukewarm. And, And people who I know in California, I've not run into anybody thus far within my sort of sphere of of friendship and relationships that seems to be really excited about Kamala Harris. Well, that's not what we're seeing in the Democratic headquarters of the desert office. Okay. We're seeing, uh, um, we have at the office, obviously, we have bumper stickers and we have the buttons for various candidates. In fact, we've had to use one big table, to be honest with you, because there are so many. But uh, there's a lot of of excitement for her campaign in among, not only Californians, but I've spoken with, I have friends in Florida and in Colorado and in New York, and uh, and they're also excited. So it's, again, we've got a long way to go here, folks. There is, uh, this was discussed during the last time we were out here. I mean, there, there are, there's stories of her background and her relationship with Willie Brown that in a, in a Me Too movement you would think would not play well. Now, again, she may be doing very well in Palm Springs and in California, but if you're talking about winning the states of Wisconsin and Michigan and Ohio and Pennsylvania, does she have personal baggage that could make it difficult or more difficult for her to carry those states against a stronger Democrat? Without I'm going to be okay. I'm without be, that baggage, uh, the person who is currently in the White House had more baggage than yes. anyone in history, and he 
and he won the electoral college. He didn't win the, the But he was a man. Yes, and that's, unfortunately, you're right about that, in the sense that the, the, the issue with Willie Brown is really a non-issue because he has come out, she has come out, and people that were working with them uh, have come out and said that it was a mentoring relationship. If any woman in her position is not permitted to have a, a, a background of having a mentor, whether it be male or female, without that being questioned, then we're in worse shape than I thought. She comes across the to rumors me. rumors have gone beyond Yeah, that. they have, and that's unfortunate. And, and I think that as we move forward, however, again, as has been pointed out, we've got a long way to go to November. We've got a long way to go before even the, 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 the nomination will take place in June. I personally don't see that as an issue. Dick Oliphant, let me ask you, uh, the, the background on Kamala Harris, does that, is, that a, is, that a, is that a possible time bomb in her campaign down the road? that maybe some of these stories and these rumors are going to explode in the Midwest where they've been muffled on the West Coast? Well, first of all, I don't, I don't like uh, rumors. And, uh, you know, I don't want to describe her relationship with Willie Brown. So I think uh, her campaign is going to fail. Uh, there are 24 people running. Uh, they haven't had their first debate yet. We're going to see a lot of people fall out after the first debate. Uh, then there'll be the second debate and so on, and, and they're going to continue to fall out and see until you have a half a dozen uh, front runners. Uh, Kamala Harris is not going to be in that half a dozen. Well, and I think that there are, so, there are more substantial. I want to go, ahead, uh, go ahead. I want to go back to Roberto. I want you to weigh in on the Democratic field, and then we'll get to Jeff. Okay, great. Thank you. So I'm really, really grateful for all the great people that are running and all the staffers that are dedicating themselves to this enormous, uh, you know, endeavor. <laughs> We're fighting for the soul of our country. Elizabeth Warren pushing for student loans, and she has a plan for everything. Uh, Joe Biden, uh, who, by the way, got pushed back on the Hyde Amendment, right? So we are we are challenging him to be a better be a better Biden. Uh, Cory Booker on the gun violence, very powerful. Uh, as uh, you know, who's your guy? You're reading off the, the list. Who's your guy? I like I like. Just to call it out today, uh, June 9th, twenty nineteen, <laughs> I'm I'm looking I'm looking at a Bi uh, Biden Harris ticket, and Biden I think Harris, okay. I think that ticket is going to carry well all over the place. But especially where it's key in Pennsylvania, Ohio, Wisconsin, we're going to see those Catholic voters that are going to look at Joe and say, "Okay, Joe, what are you talking about?" And he's going to be able to tell the story, and and you know, and if did I, he hurt himself last week, the flip flop on the on the high, did he did he flip flop? with catholic voters in in those states so he joe is evolving and and you know we have we have to allow him to to say he is he 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 understands that the church is not our country those are two separate things and we have a rule about that right the first amendment and so he's going to be able to walk into pennsylvania ohio wisconsin and talk to those catholic voters um and and maybe maybe he also go to alabama and talk to those folks who have been like hey why am why is my state, and if I'm from Alabama, 50th in, in, in education, in, in health care? Um, why do I have more people in prison than anybody else? And, and what's your plan? I think that Joe um, is going to be able to walk the talk in all those areas. Now, you know, there's a lot of electoral votes in California. I think, you know, we, we can trust, you know, Senator Harris on those and on the East Coast. Um, but everybody's going to rally. Okay, we're going to come back around our leader. And in my opinion, okay. it'll be Biden-Harris. Okay. Man, I got frozen is. out of that whole segment. 
You are going to be back, and we're going to be back with you, Jeff. Jeff Hom for the Jeff Hom fans. He Sorry. is here. He has not fallen asleep. Oh, we'll Jeff. bring him in. 1-800-723-8229 from coast to coast and border to border. Celebrating our 39th anniversary on the air in a couple of weeks. And we'll be back with your calls when we roll on from Palm Springs and Chicago. (laughs) Keeping in touch with family and friends or reaching public safety officials can be challenging during power outages. If telecom networks are affected by severe weather or other conditions, the FCC recommends following these guidelines. Call 911 only when necessary and limit non-emergency calls. Avoid repetitive redialing to minimize network congestion. Try texting if a call doesn't go through. Conserve battery power. Switch mobile phones and devices to power-saving modes and turn off when not in use. If evacuated, Forward landline calls to your cell phone if possible. If you're using your car to charge cell phones or listen to news on the car radio, be aware that carbon monoxide emissions can be deadly in an enclosed space such as a garage. Remember, always seek shelter in dangerous conditions and follow directions from public safety officials. For more info, go to FCC.gov emergency. Roostermont back in Palm Springs. It's 104 degrees out here today, 110 tomorrow, 113 on Tuesday, and then I'll be heading back to Chicago. (laughs) (laughs) Although I did it. It's like 62 degrees right now. It's gorgeous here. It was, was yeah, 60, thanks for rubbing it in. (laughs) The Chicago weather is so much better. No, it was was 104 when I pulled into the uh, KGX uh, parking lot today, and uh, I said to to Gary Wing, the uh, general manager, the chief cook and bottle washer, the owner out here. I said, I now understand what a dry heat is. Oh yeah, because <laughs> I'm not I'm not perspiring. If you're watching on TV, I, I I feel somewhat comfortable. But of course, now I'm in the air conditioned studios. Um, Jeff, you did not say a word in the last segment, and I apologize. I tried to sneak you in, but I was trying to get Democrats offering it's totally opinions fun. on Democrats. I mean, we're but talking now about I'm let you exactly. I mean, you know, I I just want to go back to something Roberto said. Um, you know, the the idea that uh, Biden may have crossover appeal to Catholic voters, um, and I would agree with you if this were the 2016 election before the 2016 election happened, um, because I think there's. A lot of bunker mentality um, by people of faith, including evangelicals, who believe that while Trump is not a great moral example, he at least uh, will not persecute them, especially when you saw the Kavanaugh hearing, you saw the Covington um, Catholic um, media circus that happened, um, as well as the Obama administration suing the Little Sisters of the, the Poor. I just don't think that there are enough people who would be willing to to um, kind of roll the dice on that. Um, I also think that Harris will not make it out of the primary um, because she has a a number of policy um, decisions that she made while AG of of, uh, the state of California uh, that will not augur well uh, to the Democrat audiences in the Democrat primary. Um, You know, there's, I don't know, what, like 10 people who are polling at 2% or lower. So I feel like this this field is going to narrow pretty sure, quickly as sure, well. For sure, for sure, yeah, including um, and, Beto. And given, yeah, but Beto has had a uh, he had a meteoric rise and now an Icarin fall oh, to yeah. earth. But um, he's he's at two percent with Amy Klobuchar at, at least in Iowa. Right. Can I remind everyone how many candidates were in the Republican? Yes. Seventeen. Primary. Yeah. Okay. So 
this is a normal process. Oh, I know. This but, is what happens. Right. Yeah, but, yeah. But we, I'm we, not, not disputing that. I'd be interested to see, especially with um, how many people were disaffected by the way the DNC put their, the, their thumb on the scale for Hillary Clinton, how the DNC goes about winnowing this field, which it needs to be done. Um, without potentially well, alienating let's, let's, uh, they've already done that. They've come up with a plan. They, come up, Excuse they've, me, they've, they have come up yeah. with a plan. Oh, I, for the I'm not for saying the there isn't one. Yes. I'm, I'm saying I'm, I'm interested to see how this, this happens, right? I'm, I'm not right. well, casting aspersions. I wouldn't see the religious uh, voter to the Republican Party anymore. Uh, Buddha Edge is, is right up on there uh, challenging that notion because there's a lot of people. You know, I, I went to Rosary College okay. and, and now Dominican University, and those nuns are progressive. Sure. Those nuns mm -hmm. were protesting Puerto Rico's bombing by the Navy in Vieques. Yeah. Those, those nuns are ferocious. They're so, fighters. So I'm not I'm not disputing that. that <laughs> I love them. I, I, I'm not saying that. that <laughs> Thank the, you, Sister that Mike the, Marie. That the uh, that. Uh, religious voters are have uh, you know the, the conservatives have a monopoly on religious voters. I'm just not. saying yeah. I don't think that Biden's like, hey, I'm a Catholic. I'm personally Catholic, but I don't care about but the liberation well, theology. Also, you know, requires that we care for the poor. Roberto, sure. you, you talked about you talked about uh, about Buddha Judge, and I want to get everybody's response to this. I mean, Buddha Judge ha has been a phenom phenom so far, but again, in Iowa, he's in fourth place. He is ahead of Kamala Harris, which is that that's a good thing. But he's behind Elizabeth Warren, he's behind Bernie Sanders, and he's behind Joe Biden. Now, my question is, who is he going to knock off? Do you think he's going to go from fourth place to knock off Joe Biden, and he's going to jump over two far more progressive people? He's progressive. The, the great thing about Iowa far less progressive. is that he's, it's a caucus. A minute, he's far, I know, but he's far less progressive than that. He's 38 years old. Yeah. If he doesn't last through this one, it's okay, folks, because we've got him <laughs> around for a long time. Now, Biden, now <laughs> Biden the, other, the other hand, is going to be 73 uh -huh. on, on Election 76. Day. 76. 76. 76. Yeah. 76. And, yeah. I was in and, Iowa. We were caucusing, and uh, I was there for Clinton. And there were a lot of folks that we were picking up because they're like, well, my guy's not making 15%. And the way the caucuses work, you can make yeah. your argument. And the folks come across. And the more energized you are and the more genuine you are and transparent about your messaging, and I think Buttigieg is very much that guy. And, you know, we're going to see him pick up some people. Now, I still think it's going to be. But Buttigieg, but Buttigieg now is playing in a limited field sure. where his background is not a detriment to him. When he plays in a broader field, not everyone who is a general interest voter is interested in having a gay president. Not everyone. He's a Rhodes Scholar. The enthusiasm, the enthusiasm he level languages. is <laughs> All those things are true, but you know, you know what I'm talking about. Sure. There are people out there that don't care about seven languages. They care about his cultural life. I, I would and, they, don't, and, don't, and, and, and it's a it's a bigger, broader field. Yeah. Well, we're not June, everyone is going to have a cheer. But we're, we're in June, and Stonewall was 50 years ago, and this Thank country you. has moved forward on many issues. Yes, it has. And, and, and I'm, pr we'll I'm proud to be an ally to the LGBT community. And you know, you, you, you love love is love is what we well, think. Let's 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 let I, you run in Utah. Let's I will send I, you out to Utah. Well, to I was run. as someone who just received an award the I, other night as an outstanding voice of Palm Springs as an ally. I can tell you that uh, yeah, there is. There is no question that finally things are moving forward right. in this country regarding the LGBTQ communities. I, it's about freedom and keeping the government out of our bedrooms. Okay, so I take, Simple I take umbrage at, at a my, couple of things My there. question is, uh, just to, I want to I summarize up. The question is, Ellie, this is a big deal. You are, you are absolutely correct. 
We're 50 years beyond Stonewall. The world has changed dramatically. Mm -hmm. We have not elected a gay president yet. And the one that is running out there is running fourth in a field of Democrats where 100% of the people are supportive of his position. He's ahead of 20. When you swim, okay, I'm talking about the top four. Okay. When you swim in a larger ocean, there's more people out there that may not agree with your lifestyle. See, okay. Well, we've seen what happens, though, with lifestyles I, in this country, where the people, someone is elected who has a lifestyle that is quite questionable from right. an evangelical standpoint, but apparently they ignore it. The bottom line is this. The primary is not until, uh, I'm sorry, the caucus is not until January. There's a lot of time between yes. now and January as to what's going to happen. Right. Is this young man going to proceed forward to become the nominee? I don't know that yet, so, and nobody else does either. So, the uh, exciting thing, though, is that he is exciting this race. He I object to, there's I object no, to two there's things. There's no question this. about that. Jeff, I object to two things would you here. acknowledge that? Right. One, one is the idea, Bruce, I don't think that there are as many single-issue voters in the general um, as you may think. The second is there are plenty of reasons to dislike Buttigieg would have nothing to do with his his uh, his lifestyle or his sexuality or anything like that, right? It's his policy positions. And I dislike the framing of this that the only way you could dislike Buttigieg and not support him for the presidency is if you personally dislike his lifestyle, because that is not true. No, I, I agree. He, he has other he has other issues that he has to deal with. I mean, he's a Democrat. Well. He has Democrat positions. Oh, he, how terrible. It is pretty terrible, <laughs> depending <laughs> on which ones you're talking the about. The majority of America oh. agrees with those positions. <laughs> <laughs> the majority of America agrees with well, those Dick positions. Well, Dick Oliphant, yeah. he, he doesn't think any of them are going to cause got the nothing to do. It's got nothing to do with his lifestyle, and I object the framing of, of no. his candidacy as if you reject... I didn't reject frame it that way. I said he's a Rhodes Scholar. I said he speaks seven I, languages. I'm about the diplomatic guy. I also said he served in Afghanistan. And I love that he is a veteran who served his country as a veteran that is super refreshing sure and yes. he has Despite served burns, as, bone spurs he actually served his country and he serves and biden biden dodged Indiana. the draft because of asthma and he's the front runner i mean yeah, but he actually does have asthma so it's a little i never mind we'll, I, let, we'll let that go i'm sorry have we ever Roosevelt. had a 76 year old man with asthma as i don't know we've got one that's we had we had we had, I'm, one, I'm we had one in the wheelchair that won the war <laughs> <laughs> i mean it you know, this so let me ask Dick. Dick, I'm going to ask a serious question. Okay, Dick, to some people, age is an issue here. Now I don't know how old you are, but you know you're older than 40. Let's put it that way. Is is should someone wor be worried about a 76 year old man, whether they're a Republican or a Democrat, or if they're a 74 year old man like like President Trump will be? Should anybody worry about that? I mean, health is a concern to everybody, but do you worry about it? You know, that's an interesting question because uh, I passed 76 quite a few years ago. <laughs> you look good. And uh, so I, you know, 76 to me is uh, a kid. not a bad number. Yeah. <laughs> the spirit of 76. But I think the majority of voters are going to be concerned about somebody being 76 years old at election and 80 at the end of their first term, yeah. especially if they think they want to elect somebody that can run twice. Um and uh, I, I'm not so sure that I want an 80-year-old running. Yep. Well, I, don't, I think part of the challenge is that, you know, the first, the first key decision that any presidential candidate has to make is who they select as their running mate. And I, I'm looking at down that list. Someone suggested, you know, Biden and, and Kamala Harris. That, that, to me, is the obvious. That's sort of a no-brainer off the top of my head. 
because I don't think he's going to pick the other three, uh, at least in that field. It might, it might be Amy Klobuchar, but, but, mm -hmm. but I think it will be a woman. I think sure. probably it should be a woman. Uh, so I think you're, you're limited to you know, two or three possible choices. It isn't going to be Linda Williamson or you know, somebody else. Michelle Williamson, yeah. Michelle Williamson, I'm sorry. It, it, but you're right. And I'm curious, I can't remember how old was Ronald Reagan. Because when he, he was in his seventies, he was seventy-six. Yeah, he was the oldest one. So was yeah, so I, I think that the the age factor is as you know, as this current president likes to point out, he seems to feel that he's a very young, vi dynamic person, and I believe that the the field of uh, some of our older candidates, uh, potential candidate, uh, they're pretty vibrant people, okay. pretty bright. So okay. I'm I'm not concerned about age, frankly. You need to learn a, learn to on, sleep on live on three hours of sleep. I think, I don't I think know they probably he, already know how to do I that. I don't know when the president sleeps. I have no idea when he sleeps. 1-800-723-8029. We have one more segment coming to you tonight, live from coast to coast in beautiful KGX Real Talk Radio in California. Hi, I'm Ryan Sandberg, and I want to tell you about Miracle, the musical inspired by the 2016 champion Chicago Cubs. It's one of the best productions I have ever seen. Now playing at the Royal George Theater. Do not miss it. Millions estimate their benefits online so they can do what they want offline. Social Security, securing today and tomorrow. See what you can do online at socialsecurity.gov. Back in Palm Springs, and uh, I want to do just a little history here. We talked about uh, Dick Oliphant being one of the founders of uh, uh, the, the Lincoln Republic, Republic Club of Chowchilla Valley, uh, with the late President uh, Gerald Ford and, and Sonny Bono. Uh, and uh, for for uh, people of a certain age, when you think of Sonny Bono after his uh, years in show business, you think of him uh, as being somewhat of a, at least from afar, viewed as a somewhat progressive. Um, mayor, Republican mayor of Palm Springs. So, Dick, since you've been around here so long, uh, and again, you and Sonny were, were friends, but uh, to what extent was he a major developer of this city and this region uh, for tourism and development and everything else? Well, Sonny was uh, very influential. At the time that uh, uh, Sonny came in, the economics of uh, Palm Springs were failing and uh, Sonny was going to try and do a turnaround. And of course, as a result of his efforts, uh, we have a convention center and we have uh, the film festival that's now international and one of the better known ones. Uh, he built tourism, I think, back into the uh, Palm Springs area. Uh, I founded the Greater Palm Springs Convention of Visitors Bureau and he was an ally in making that happen. You couldn't do it without Palm Springs. Mm -hmm. And uh, he saw the benefit of all the cities pulling together, uh, selling the same air, water, and fun. Mm -hmm. So uh, he and I worked very closely to get that organization up and running. How long was he mayor? He was mayor for, uh, mayor for four years. And then, then, he, then he ran for Congress? Uh, no, then he, then he ran for lieutenant governor. Okay. With who? Who was his running mate? In uh, Lieutenant Governor. Yeah. Um, well, he he didn't uh, he didn't have a running. Didn't mate. have a running mate. Okay, but yeah, he was uh, he was running for that statewide. He did it in a motorhome. 
the only thing he had was name recognition, and he had big name recognition. Mm -hmm. uh, we then convinced him. Uh, we had a new congressional district mm -hmm. starting, and we convinced him that uh, he would be the likely candidate for the Republican Party. Uh, he agreed to do that. We got him elected, and he served until his death. And then we got uh, Mary, his widow, to accept his position, and, and uh, she then ran and served for 14 years. How many terms did he serve as mayor? As mayor, just one. No, as congressman, I'm sorry. Oh, I think he served two. He served two. He served two, and then she, uh, Mary came along and served seven. Served 14 years. 14 years, seven, yeah, seven. And also we have at our table, we have this bold young flight attendant from United Airlines, and you decide, because you've been <coughs> active in the politics, you decided you ran against Mary Bono for Congress. I did. In 2002, I was convinced, as, uh, as you did with Sonny, I was convinced by um, members of the Democratic uh, congressional delegation to run for Congress. And uh, I've said it before, and I'll say it again. It was the best 13 months of my life. Obviously, I lost the election, but it was an amazing, wonderful experience. Uh, Mary did serve for, four, for seven terms, and then we were fortunate to elect uh, Congressman Rel, Dr. Rel Ruiz, uh, who has now served uh, three terms uh, in the House of Representatives. But I, I don't regret it at all. It was an amazing experience. Is this now, uh, is this now perceived <laughs> as a swing district, or do you think it's a Democratic district now? Because it's had, I mean, obviously you've got a, a reapportionment coming up, but how, where would you say this district in the Chowchilla Valley is? Well, for the uh, congressional district, it's definitely a Democratic district mm -hmm. as far as registration is concerned. Mm -hmm. uh, we have other districts here, of course. We have the assembly districts and the state senate district, and uh, one of those uh, assembly districts is definitely Democratic, and the other one is almost a swing district, I would say. Now, back in the Midwest, and many listeners to this show, when they think of California, they think of it's, it's Democrats, Democrats, that Republican doesn't have a chance to, to do anything out here. Do you think the party is at that level? Uh, the party is uh, not at the level where it's given up, if that's what you're talking about. Okay. It's, yeah, it's not Illinois. But I can tell you that uh, <laughs> our, our road is uh, very steep. And uh, we have, uh, what, 10... 10 assemblymen out of 24 or mm -hmm. something like that. Yeah. And uh, same way in the Senate, which means that the Democrats have a supermajority, plus they have the governorship. Uh, a Republican doesn't need to show up to vote, technically. So the only thing we can do is, is see if we can have some influence. And write checks. Mm -hmm. But I, I want to <clears throat> add something, though, because you said something that's so true. And, and, and it's, it's important to say this. Yes, California is blue. There's no doubt about it. But in our district, um, in the 42nd State Assembly, we have a Republican, Chad Mays. Mm -hmm. In the 56th State Assembly, we have Eduardo Garcia. Those two men, however, do work together. They, they cross the aisles for each other. And, and the together... They're trying to get some legislation done, and they're getting it done. And I think that it's important to point that out, that California is blue, but we do have indeed uh, Republicans that we work with, there and, were more, and we welcome it. There were more Republican voters in California than in, in some states that Donald Trump carried handily. Right. Right. But again, because of the Electoral College, they, right. don't, they don't count uh, in, in any 
Well, they 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 count in the popular vote, but as we know, that doesn't count for much if you if you don't win the, uh, the electoral college vote. And also, I think both our Republicans and our Democrats out here would agree that most politicians, when they think of California, they think of it as a place to come to raise some money. Yes. There's a lot of money out here. Whether <laughs> yeah. they're Republicans or Democrats, certainly the Democrats get most of the uh, the money and most of the attention. But again, there's a lot of Republican money out here as well. I want to thank our <coughs> guests uh, in studio here in Palm Springs. Dick Oliphant, thank you very much. Uh, one of the leading uh, Republican figures in this uh, valley. And Ellie Kay, thank you very much. Ellie, give us the last full name. Kurpuski. Okay, well, <laughs> that's, that's why they call me Ellie Kay. <laughs> that's the conventional spelling of Kurpuski. Kurpuski. Uh, Kurpuski. Uh, Kay. Right. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Jeff Bob back in Chicago along with Roberto Montano. We will be back uh, next Sunday night. We'll be back at home base in Chicago. I want to thank Fritz Goldman and uh, Gary Wing, the key man out here, the owner out here at uh, KGX. He's helped put this together. And, of course, uh, Sam Greenberg and Hector Pachaccio is also uh, Pachaco has helped us this evening as well. I'm Bruce Dumont. Good night from Palm Springs. Hi, I'm Ryan Sandberg, and I want to tell you about Miracle, the musical, inspired by the 2016 champion Chicago Cubs. It's one of the best productions I have ever seen. Now playing at the Royal George Theater. Do not miss it. Millions estimate their benefits online so they can do what they want offline. Social Security, securing today and tomorrow. See what you can do online at socialsecurity.gov. Produced at U.S. taxpayer expense. Today, millions of people all across America are building a life in recovery from addiction and mental illness helping themselves and helping each other with friends, family, and community lending their strength and support. Join the voices for recovery. Together, we are stronger. For 24-hour free and confidential information and treatment referral for mental and substance use disorders, for you or someone you know, call 1-800-662-HELP. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. Keeping in touch with family and friends or reaching public safety officials can be challenging during power outages. If telecom networks are affected by severe weather or other conditions, the FCC recommends following these guidelines. Call 911 only when necessary and limit non-emergency calls. Avoid repetitive redialing to minimize network congestion. Try texting if a call doesn't go through. Conserve battery power. Switch mobile phones and devices to power-saving modes and turn off when not in use. If evacuated, forward landline calls to your cell phone if possible. If you're using your car to charge cell phones or listen to news on the car radio, be aware that carbon monoxide emissions can be deadly in an enclosed space such as a garage. Remember, always seek shelter in dangerous conditions and follow directions from public safety officials. For more info, go to FCC.gov emergency. My name is Bobby. I'm a veteran and lost my leg to a roadside bomb. My victory was going from a wheelchair to becoming a weightlifting champion. I'm Sam. I'm a veteran. My victory was finding a career I can be proud of and supporting my family. America's veterans are on their most important tour, the tour of their lives. I'm a veteran. My victory was going from homeless to home. At DAV, we're on a mission to help veterans get the benefits they've earned. I'm a veteran, and my victory was finishing my education. DAV offers veterans of all generations a lifetime of support. 
for victories great and small. My victory was proving that a disability is not a limitation. My victory was getting my service dog a new best friend. We help more than a million veterans every year as they face and conquer their challenges. My victory is being able to be there for my family. When America's veterans win, we all win. Help us support more victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org.